Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. So Romans 6, 1 to 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Thank you, Nathan. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at church. And I have a feeling that when Luke organised the preaching roster, he didn't realise that he'd put me on Father's Day. If ever there was a licence for me to tell a few dad jokes, then surely this is it. (laughs) But I know dad jokes are pretty annoying, aren't they? You wouldn't want to hear dad jokes. They're so annoying. They're like circles. Circles are annoying. There was literally no point. Do you know another thing that really annoys me is French fries? I'll talk about the biggest scam in history, French fries. They're not even cooked in France. They're cooked in Greece. (laughs) Anyway, my kids this morning gave me a, a mug of emergency dad jokes. So... I'm well prepared, and uh, if you don't like them, well, blame the kids. Why can't a bike stand up on its own? It's too tired. Um, And why did the bee get married? Because he found his honey. (laughs) So there you go. That's probably enough dad jokes for this morning. So we're we're continuing our series through the book of Romans, and uh, today we're starting chapter 6. Now, Romans is a challenging book. It's a... It's a deep and complex book with a lot of contrasts, and it's because Jesus is deep and challenging with a whole lot of contrasts. So some people like one image of Jesus, the the nice Jesus, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You know, you've heard that prayer that Jesus is loving and forgiving, and that is a true picture of Jesus, but it's not the whole picture of Jesus. Other people, well, they really fear God, this holy, righteous God who cannot condone or tolerate sin 
a God who will punish people, even his own followers, when they disobey, when they fear God. And that, that is a true and accurate representation of God, but it's not a complete picture of God. See, the real... God is real and true. Well, that, that, that picture of God is real and true, but not the whole picture. See, God is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect. God has made a perfect heaven for all his followers, but because it is perfect, it cannot be contaminated by imperfect people. And we are all imperfect. So we are all in trouble. But God is also loving. He is kind and compassionate. He is slow to anger anger and quick to forgive. And the reality is that our selfishness, our sinfulness is so bad that a holy God had no option but to condemn us. And the reality is also that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to take the punishment that we deserved. God is so good and we are so bad that the only solution was the greatest price you could ever imagine. The son of God, the only perfect human, the spotless lamb, the only one who was without sin, had to die, to be brutally murdered, crucified on a cross, tortured and nailed and stabbed and humiliated because we were so bad and because he was so good and that was the only way to rescue us and because he loved us so much that he was prepared to do that for us. That is the reality and that's the contrast we have in Romans. As uh, Ray Gunton said a couple of weeks ago, Sin is the problem, and Jesus Christ is the only solution, and it is only through faith in Jesus that we can be made right with God. Romans talks a lot about sin and how we're all sinners. It talks about the consequences of sin, which is pain and misery and destruction and ultimately death and separation from God. But Romans also talks about grace, the incredible, loving, patience and goodness of a God who shows us favour far beyond what any of us deserve. Last week, Pastor Luke explained for us how God's grace can even overlook our sin because of Jesus. Luke explained that, you know, gossip, when we gossip, the Bible tells us not to gossip, but let's be honest, nearly all of us do at some point in, in life, and that is a sin, but because of God's grace, he can overlook our gossip. God's grace is greater than our gossip. And Luke went further and he explained that it, people might even look at pornography, which is one of the most destructive and abusive and dehumanising industries on the entire planet. And even Christians might look at that. But God's grace is bigger and better than any of our sin. At the end of last week's passage from chapter 5, verse 20 said, As people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became even more abundant. Now that, that is a verse to get excited about. So sin is real and sin is bad, but God's grace is bigger and better than our sin. Now, God knows how people think, you know, like lawyers always looking for the loophole to get their client off. God knows that people, our human nature, we're always looking for the, the easy option, the, the easy reward, the cheapest solution, the best deal. And God knows that we're going to hear that verse and think to ourselves, well, in that case... I'll put my faith in Jesus and then I'll just carry on, do whatever I want and sin as much as I want because I'll just make God's grace look bigger and bigger. 
Some people even convince themselves they're doing God a favour. The more I sin, the better God looks. Seems like a great deal, doesn't it? Um, if you've ever studied the history of the Russian Revolution, there was this so-called monk, this mystic guy called Rasputin, and a self, self-entitled holy man, and he, he thought that he had to have an intimate knowledge of sin so that he could truly understand God's grace. Well, history would reveal he, he sure had an intimate knowledge of sin, a womanizer, drunkard, con man, but he had very little um, personal experience of God's grace. And God knows that we would be looking for a loophole. And so verse 1 of chapter 6, which the chapters were added later. This is not a new thought. This is just a continuation of the same thought. Where it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that God's grace may increase? By no means. You can hear the tone. Of course not. Absolutely not. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be absurd. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now you dads. And mums, parents, imagine your child grows up and they turn 18 and they get their licence and they can't afford a car yet and so you let them borrow your car and so they go out to celebrate and maybe they're inexperienced, maybe they're showing off, maybe they're driving like a hoon. Whatever, they have an accident and your car is a write-off. Now, you love your kids, you know they can't afford it, so you pay for the new car. So then imagine how you would feel if your kid thinks, wow, my parents are so awesome. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really appreciate mum and dad. I'm going to go out and work the new car as well just to show how much they love me. Would that, would that make you feel good? No, maybe not. Probably wouldn't be all that impressed. So you, your love for your child may be deep and genuine and permanent and compassionate, but you still don't want them to deliberately hurt you just so they can feel good about the love and attention and support that you give them. See, part of true parental love is to teach and guide and help them to learn and prepare for the rest of their life. So if we love God, then why would we show him even less respect than we would show our children? God knows we'd be looking for a loophole, and he closes that one very quickly and very firmly. When we accept God's grace and God's forgiveness, do we carry on doing our own thing so that God can look good? Of course not. Absolutely not. So how much sin is okay? For those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, who have put our faith in Jesus, how much sin is still okay in our lives? Well, this verse says, shall we continue to sin? No. It doesn't say, shall we continue to sin really, really badly? No, it just says we should not continue to sin. Let's look at some other, another Bible verse to get some perspective. John chapter 8, pretty famous story. Jesus meets a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. The punishment was death, and she's about to be stoned to death. But Jesus had mercy. Jesus had compassion on her. But at the end of that, that passage, John chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus says to her, Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't say go and tone down the sin a little bit. Jesus didn't say go and look, just be careful next time so you don't get caught. No, no, Jesus said go and sin no more. So it seems quite clear that no sin is okay. And you know it only takes you know, one spot to make your shirt dirty, doesn't it? If you have an allergy, how many peanuts or how much pollen or how much gluten does it take to, to induce a reaction? How many times is it okay for someone to break into your house and steal your stuff? 
How many times is it okay for someone to physically abuse you? How many times is it okay for your friend to betray you? Last week, Luke shared the story of a young couple who were believed with all their heart that the world was inherently good and everyone was good, and so they travelled the world showing how good the world was. But how many evil people did it take to ruin their holiday and take their lives? Just one carload, probably four people, who ran them off the road and stabbed them to death. Four people out of seven billion. It only takes one tiny bit of evil to contaminate the whole world. One tiny sin makes each one of us guilty and unworthy. So how much sin is okay? None. So let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us have achieved an acceptable level of sin in our lives? Has anyone achieved perfection? Is there anyone here who lives without sin? I'm glad you didn't say yes, because 1 John chapter 1 says, if we claim to be without sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So none of us live without sin. No sin is acceptable, and we have all sinned. We have this paradox here, don't we? Two things which are absolutely true, and yet they kind of seem to be in conflict. We should not sin, and yet we all do sin. That's exactly why Jesus died. See, before Jesus, people just had to abide by the law. And people were slaves to the law and the consequences of the law, which if you failed, was punishment and death. So Jesus died to take away that punishment on himself. And that's what grace is all about. That's why God's grace is truly so amazing. And when this verse says, shall we go on sinning, or shall we continue to sin, I think this refers to habitual, deliberate, conscious, ongoing sin. Not the spontaneous, unplanned sin. You see, we still have a sinful nature. We live in a sinful world and, you know, you hit your thumb with a hammer, that initial thought, that's maybe just a natural reaction. Um, for the guys, again, for the dads, you might have heard the saying, you know, the first look is natural. You know, you see a good-looking girl, you know, it's when you go, hmm, that's probably going a bit, a bit too far. Ask your wives how much of a look is okay, okay? That'll give you a good, good, good sort of boundary. I heard a story once, this guy was in Bunnings. And he uh, saw a, a very attractive young lady who was one of the sales girls. He went up there and he, to her and he said, can I hang, hang around with you for a couple of minutes? And she was like, why? And he said, well, my wife is somewhere in the store and I can't find her, but I know if I talk to you, she'll be here in about five seconds flat. <laughs> so. uh, in the book of Job, chapter 31, Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes never to look with lust at a young woman. I think that's the standard we aim for. That's the, what we aspire to. Last week, the Follow Kids, the memory verse, remember at the end of the service, they came in and they very enthusiastically shared their memory verse with us, which was words to the effect of, be careful what you think, because every action begins with a thought. So don't lead yourself into temptation. You know, we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Well, when that thought there, don't let it grow. Don't lead yourself into a place where you're going to be tempted. 
But when we talk about this paradox between the law and grace, throughout church history, there has been times when people or whole churches have veered one way or the other too much. Maybe they focus too much on the law and not enough on grace, or too much on grace and not enough on the law. Both extremes are wrong. Both cause problems. And that's why it's important to read our Bibles, the whole Bible, to understand it all in context. Because if you take any one verse out of context, you can build this whole theology that doesn't, doesn't stand up. When we focus on our behaviour, we get trapped in this salvation by works kind of doctrine. And we think that we can earn our own salvation by obeying the law and being good and doing the right thing. But Ephesians 2 tells us that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So salvation is not because of our works or our efforts or our goodness. Salvation is only by the grace of God. Some people then go the other way. Well, if salvation is by grace, then I don't have to do anything about that. God will save the ones he wants to. But Jesus said, he told us specifically to go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey. So we do have a part to play. And again, we need to keep that in balance. Uh, Christian theologian A.W. Tozer wrote, to escape the error of salvation by works, we've fallen into the opposite error of salvation without obedience. And that's maybe where across the world maybe more of the church is leaning at the moment is towards more of the the easy, the cheap grace. Salvation without obedience, salvation without sacrifice. And this is what Romans 6 is addressing for us. You can't treat God like a fool. You cannot accept God's gift of salvation and then continue to dishonour God with our behaviour. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love God. And he said, if you love me, you'll also obey my commandments. So if we truly love God, we can't go on living as though we don't. Husbands, if you love your wives, how long is it going to work if you treat them and act like you don't? Jesus said the second greatest commandment is to love others. And if we really, truly love other people, we will want to obey God's commandments. Because if we live the way God wants, we will all be better off. Imagine a whole world where everyone obeyed God. A world with no murder, no violence, no gossip, no hatred, no abuse, no lies, no theft, no betrayal, no selfishness. How good would that be? If everyone obeyed God, the world would be a whole lot better off. So how do we manage this? To live Without sin would, would require a, a whole new clean slate, wouldn't it? A totally fresh start, basically a whole new life. What do you know? Verse 4 in today's passage tells us, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also have new lives. Isn't that great? Ever get, notice how people get excited about some things? You know, women, there's a sale on and they go shopping and they go, oh, I've got a bargain, 50% off. And the guys, we go to the footy and our team kicks a goal. Like just one goal in one game, it's not even the premiership and we're on our feet, yes! You know, now I can mention for Pastor Luke, that doesn't happen all that often, so he gets excited about a goal. You know, but, but really it's, just, it's not that big a deal, one goal, and yet we're excited, we're on our feet, we're, we're fist pumping. This is talking about the difference between eternal death and separation from God or eternal life. And we're like, 
cool. Romans is a very exciting book. When you, there's a low, whole lot of verses and phrases in Romans. When you truly understand them, when you grasp what they mean, they should be to stand up and applaud and get excited and praise God kind of moments. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. These are things to get excited about. Verse 8 says, in today's passage, says, since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. When we truly accept God's grace, when we truly give our life to God, we put away the old life and the old self and we make a new start. We have a new life, an eternal life. If you've ever been here at Follow for a baptism service, you know that we baptise by what they call full immersion. People are completely dunked, completely submerged in the water. Now, this is not because it's holy water or it's magic and we've got to get as much as possible onto them. Nothing to do with that. This is symbolic of a whole new life. The old is washed away and the new has come. We have a clean start. Our old lives die with Christ and we're raised to a new life with him. Verse 12 in today's passage says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to evil desires. So we will still be tempted. That is part of life. We still live in a fallen world. Being tempted is not the sin. But how we respond to that. See, we have been set free from the power of sin. Sin is no longer your master. When we talk about being the master, what do we mean? Are we talking about like a, an old-fashioned high school principal with a cane coming to get you? Are we talking about the boss at work? I think our master is who we choose to serve. God has given us all a free will. We all get to choose who we love, who we serve, what we pursue in our life. In the book of Joshua, the people were challenged to choose today who you will serve. And Joshua says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord, but we all have to choose for yourselves. Who or what do you love? Who and what will you serve? Jesus said in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So whatever you set your heart on, whatever you... uh, whatever will affect your thoughts, whatever you pursue and think about and dwell upon, that will affect your behaviour, your actions and your life. So we need to ask ourselves today, who and what is our master? Who do we love? Who do we serve? Is it ourselves? Is it the ways of this world? Is it wealth or popularity or fame or a political party? Or is it Jesus? Is your focus on the things of this world or is your focus on Jesus? Do you fill your mind with your own desires or do you fill your mind with Jesus? I think the purpose of this passage is to challenge us, to remind us that sin is serious, sin is dangerous, sin is unacceptable, sin is not to be taken lightly and flippantly, that we should love and serve and obey Jesus And this passage also encourages us. It gives us hope. It gives us confidence that we are not and we do not need to be slaves to sin. We live under the freedom of God's grace. So let us appreciate and celebrate 
that gift. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless. God bless.